Although I'm a doctor by profession, I'm not your doctor. All content and information on this podcast and on our website is for informational and educational purposes and does not constitute medical advice and does not establish any kind of patient-client relationship by use of our site. Although we strive to present accurate information, the podcast and website are not a substitute for your healthcare provider. Always consult a healthcare professional who knows your particular needs and circumstances before making any health-related decisions. Also, there are curse words that are unedited and graphic descriptions of bodies, bodily fluids, and other real-life scenarios that might make some listeners uncomfortable. Yeah, I said it. I'm Dr. Suzanne Ciotti. And I'm Becca Hammer. Welcome to the Perimena Podcast. problem with pee. <laughs> okay. I realized that having three monstrous sized babies vaginally was going to wreak havoc on my bladder and other related systems down there. But girl, I was not prepared for the seemingly endless need to go to the bathroom right now. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it's like I've lost my ability to hold it when, when I have to go. I mean, it's like, I gotta go. No, I gotta go. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't even get me started about sneezing or laughing too hard or any, you know, sudden physical movements like jumping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, uh, mercifully and happily, I've been reading a lot lately that women are finally talking about this problem of incontinence. And there are surprisingly a lot of things that can be done to help solve this pissy little problem. Oh, so- <laughs> Pissy oh, little I problem. I caught problem. that. See what I did there? <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. Suzanne, what's going on? Why am I peeing my pants all the time? Right. I mean, we should all be talking about it all the time because most pe- women have experienced issues with their bladders at some point in their lives. So I'm sure that it's not a surprise to learn that bl- the bladder is influenced by hormonal changes, right? Specifically, a drop in estrogen during menopause and beyond causes those tissues in the vagina, bladder, and the perineum to atrophy, which means <laughs> it sounds bad, doesn't it? <laughs> yep. It means they get it gets thin, white, and tighter. It constricts and it tears easily. And sometimes the result this results in vaginal and urethral narrowing as well as causes pain, increased pain with sex or burning with urination. It, it's a common, commonly causes a lot of symptoms. It may also cause the ligaments supporting the uterus and bladder to get lax. So this causes now, those organs to drop. Yeah, or does it get lax? <laughs> yeah. Which one is right. it? Right. <laughs> so the skin tends to get tight. It's almost like it scars up. It kind of gets fibrotic, and the ligaments get lax um, over time. So as the bladder tissue uh, is affected by the lack of estrogen, it also thins uh, without that estrogen on board. So it becomes a lot more irritable easily, resulting in issues with feeling like you have to pee all the time. We call that urinary frequency 
or urge incontinence, which is just where you feel like you have to get to the bathroom right away, exactly what you were describing. It's me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Can't put the key in the door, the lock, without having a little bit of pee come out all of a sudden, right? Oh, my God. And what is it? I must know what that Pavlovian response yes, is. It is. That the closer I get to the house, the more I have to pee. And right. I mean, I am like sitting in the car, like squeezing. I'm like, okay, get ready. Get set. Yep. Go. And I... Right. So it's that's your cortex. Yeah. That's absolutely just a different part of your brain. That's kind of good. Okay. We're good. We're good. So yeah, just, pee. just, uh, right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. This, all this picture also sets women up for more frequent urinary tract infections, uh, you know, which also seems to happen too, when we are having a lot of sex, uh, when we're younger as well. So then, you know, wait what, 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 wait, 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 you just jumped around. It's like, what, what, I'm having sex. Yeah. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. It just, I'm I was just thinking <laughs> another evidence of hormonal changes affecting urine is when we have a lot of urinary tract infections, uh, we're kind of in puberty or early twenties, about the time we're having a lot of sex and also when our hormones are changing a lot. So that's okay. what I was trying to say. Okay, just cool. more evidence of how those hormones affect the bladder. So, so we talked about that, that supporting muscles and ligaments in the pelvic sling, uh, which is that area that holds up the uterus and the bladder. So it's a, it, it really looks just like a hammock or a sling, um, and the pelvic floor, they've been fighting gravity all these years, right? And some, and sometimes they're injured because of that baby's head being pressing down there, being there for nine months. And that results also in bladder and uterine droppage or prolapse. That's the medical term for that, which can affect the function of the bladder resulting in leakage of urine. When we exert ourselves, laugh or sneeze, we also call that when the bladder drops, a cystocele. So maybe you've heard your physician talk about that. The bladder dropping down into the vagina is called a cystocele. So yeah, you can use that. You can a seal. Yeah. Great, great Scrabble word, right? Lots of (laughs) letters. Somebody else's not worth a lot of points, but (laughs) yes, that's right. So, right, you, so you know, so lots of factors affecting it. There's a, it's a complicated anatomy down there. And as you can, can fathom, it's a big topic and it's an area you can't see at all. So you can't keep track of it as well as like your breast, for instance, or your skin. Uh, so you can't see it very well. You'll have to rely on somebody else to look at it and make sure that you look at that area too, you know, use it. Well, you just uh, said I couldn't see it. So what am I looking at? Well, I mean, so you I'm be- supposed to look at the area that I can't see. <laughs> yes. <What>? Okay. <laughs> well, unless you can get your head down between your legs and just look kind of up at your vag- vaginal area, <laughs> some of us <laughs> might be flexible enough. You might use a mirror and just take a look on the outside, spread those labia, take a look at the vagina just make sure that you kind of get used to what that anatomy might look like because it does tend to change uh, postmenopausal. It also can be affected by estrogen uh, and sometimes you might end up with some issues like a 
kind of that that thinning and it's nice to keep track of and see do I have a tear or not so so it's a good idea for all women to kind of be uh, familiar with how that looks it's really hard for you though to be able to see your bladder that that's absolutely true you're not going to be able to see that at all you're going to have to rely on your provider to be able to do a look at that for you so I think I don't you know, even know what to say right now okay <laughs> It's a lot, isn't it? Which is really unusual for me. I always have something to say, but I have no idea what to say. Right. <laughs> right. And I think this topic is one that we're kind of shy to talk about with other women, right? And we tend to just suffer it out. We just kind of figure like probably just part of getting older and, you know, I don't want to bore everybody with my pee problems. But I'd say start talking about it, especially to your provider, because urinary incontinence, which is leaking urine when you don't want to, is a symptom that sometimes keeps people from being social and active as they age, Right. Uh, I don't know. I, mean, I see Depends commercial and police yeah. pads and all that stuff. And it right. didn't seem to me that, like, it's, well, okay. All I'm saying is that this issue seems to be kind of coming out of the closet, if you will. I mean, again, the, no, I mean, yeah, I figure when things get made fun of that they're mm-hmm. starting to make their way into the oh. common, <laughs> um, you know, conversations. And when you start talking about your Depends then it means that a lot of people are familiar with it and using it, or maybe they're buying it for somebody else or whatever that looks like. And um, I've also been reading a lot about how, um, again, women just have been sucking it up, suck it up Mm -hmm. syndrome. Um, But it seems as if I've been reading quite a bit more, and maybe I'm just paying attention, but that there are lots of treatment options, that women are being recognized for having this issue, and it is no longer just, you know, this is just one of those things about getting older, sugar. Right, that's right. And it affects men as well because of prostate issues. So they have trouble with incontinence, but for totally diff- very, very different reasons, uh, usually involving the prostate. And, it, you know, that talk about the Depends too, it's interesting. They've kind of made Depends a little more sexy, kind of cute. You can get kind of pattern depends that look like underwear they're they have more absorbent layers that are thinner so they're not just bulky like diapers so you're okay, right I'm not I think calling that it cute I'm just not gonna call them cute <laughs> okay, no. yeah how about right. they look a little more stream I'll go with they don't look like okay. diapers anymore but right. I'm they just don't... I'm not gonna go to cute yet <laughs> okay <laughs> right thankfully uh-huh. there's a lot of options for managing uh you know this issue depending on which issue you're having so urge incontinence or stress incontinence so don't let it keep you at home talk to your provider about your incontinence all right so, well incontinence types you just threw some some yeah, phrases at me so let's, let's dive did. into those okay sounds good so the first one we're going to talk about is urge incontinence so that's what you were describing what that calm that feeling of that's pretty common, like you just can't make it to the bathroom in time, and you might actually have some leakage of urine on the way that you just really have to go right now all of a sudden. So it might even cause some pain in the bladder or spasm, and sometimes it will cause frequency where you just pee a lot, like feel like every hour you have to pee. Well, hell, I just peed. Do I, why do I have to go again? <laughs> and sometimes it's hard to tell this type of incontinence from an actual urinary tract infection because similar symptoms are frequent feeling like I have to go right away. 
So you, if you have this and it's a new symptom, you probably should have it evaluated at your doctor's office, of course, prior to starting any medicines or doing any of these things that we're suggesting um, so they can check your urinalysis and see if you have a urinary tract infection. So that symptom is made worse with that bladder thinning uh, in menopause. So it gets so, more irritated, irritated easier. So I have urge incontinence because my bladder has thinned. You have urge I got no estrogen. Right. Yes, that's right. Check. <laughs> okay. And the next kind is stress incontinence. So that's when you pee a little bit when you laugh. That's a kind of a, you pee a lot of when you stretch, laugh. No. right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, I bet I you laugh pretty heartily too. I'm sure. I'm sure that that might make you pee some more. You probably have some good sphincter muscles, as the muscles that hold the urine in. <laughs> so it's that that sphincter muscle. It's that external muscle of the urethra can't squeeze tight enough to hold the urine that's being pushed down from the pressure of laughing or doing exercises, lifting something up, jumping on a trampoline. We talked about that, how it was like, uh, ooh, so hard to jump on the trampoline with my kids. So so that's also, that symptom is often worse uh, when you have a bladder prolapse and uterine prolapse or bladder cystocele is what we also call it. And when you have that pelvic floor or sling weakness, and I think we're going to put a little diagram about of that sling on our, our um, kind of our notes or on our blog so that people can take a look and see what that looks like. Yeah. And I think that that's important to, I mean, visuals are important here because from the way you were describing things to me, you know, the the bladder and the uterus and everything is very close, very mm-hmm. tight and compacted. And so right. it's probably worth a visual to see like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. And that's once right. Once you see it, you'll be like, ha ha ha, I get it. Right. It is good because a lot of our treatments too are, we'll use vaginally and for some of those urinary symptoms and until you really take a look at the diagram and see, well, hell, my bladder uh, is right next to my vagina. They share a ligament and, uh, and your uterus. They all kind of share different ligaments there that kind of hold them together. So they're very close together in the pelvis too. The other thing that's more frequent, we kind of already mentioned this uh, earlier, is that women tend to have more urinary tract infections at the, as they get older. And that's that feeling of burning with urination but then you also have that urge incontinence with it too, like you have to get there right away or you have to pee a lot. So some women still will have that burning with urination, uh, but that's not related to urinary tract infection because of the tissue around the urethra getting thin and white. That might cause that burning too. And it compli- it's complicated because sometimes that thinning, like I said, it might have small tears in it. So you might actually have a small amount of blood in your urine due to that tearing Ugh. too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, because, uh, so for that, it, the, your, the physician might actually have to do some additional testing of the urine in order to look at that a little bit more and make sure that you don't have a urinary tract infection. All right. And because incontinence types are fun, there's also the possibility that you can have these in any combination. 
Right. Yes. Right. That was the next point. You can d- definitely, they seem to, sometimes they occur as separate entities, but sometimes you might have mixed symptoms. And that's actually probably more common that you might have feeling like you have to get to the bathroom right away when you're walking in the door. But then you also tend to pee a little bit more when you cough or sneeze or when you're bouncing around. So maybe probably that those would be both urge and stress and incontinence. So if that's the case, sometimes it makes it more difficult for us to try to determine the treatment options. But there are there is a specialist, a urologist, who is a doctor who can do additional testing um, on your bladder, uh, and they might do urine flow studies um, or take a look inside the bladder, which is called cystoscopy. And that's to help help them diagnose which type of incontinence you have and what might be the best treatment option for you. So, well, so uh, let me let me stop you there then. So, how do I know when do I cross the line into needing a urologist? Um, yeah, so that's a good we, you question. Had, you had mentioned several times, like go yeah. to your GP, go to your physician, yes. go to your physician. Right. When do I cross that line and say, nope, it's time for you the, the urologist, and don't try to say that fast, the urologist. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, I'd say certainly if your incontinence is so bad that you can't hold your urine at all, uh, you you might need to see your urologist first. Uh, It's usually a good idea to see the GP first anyhow for the urine test to rule out a urinary tract infection and to talk about options. They may be able to give you a medication just based on what their educated guesses of what's going on before testing. And if it helps relieve symptoms, it might be good information for the urologist. So I would say if you're, the reasons that you would be going to the urologist, you've already tried something with your GP and you're not having relief of symptoms mm-hmm. or you're having really bad incontinence and have had for a while that hasn't been addressed, then those are reasons to go straight to the urologist. But generally it's a good idea to go through the GP first. And the good news, we'll talk about this more too, is that you typically, if your symptoms are really occurring, you know, a lot around menopause, um, you know, we re- you really are suspicious that these are might be more hormonal. We see some atrophy. We see a cystocele. We can always do uh, some treatment with uh, estrogen and just see how it works, which uh, we talk about treatment options next. So... Two things. One is about estrogen, but one is about time, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. the fact that I have lived this life and and had pregnancies and have been fighting gravity and all of mm-hmm. those things are also weighing into this, right? Right. So it, mm-hmm. it is probably not just estrogen. It is mm-hmm. estrogen and time, potentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Like some, some, you know, would be really unusual not to have some unless you were really good about doing Kegels, perhaps on a regular basis, your whole life, uh, you, you might still have some issues with some bladder droppage or some pelvic floor weakness. Um, so yeah, that might be compounding because we we're always fighting gravity. That's for sure. Right. Like what it, okay. that's, that's always a strain as we get older. So you're absolutely right. There's probably a mixed, mixed bag of things happening. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Three kinds of incontinence. But now mm-hmm. let's talk about what, uh, what can be done. Right. Besides, so, besides like we visiting said, the urologist. 
Yeah. So you, so you want to make sure that you're going to see somebody who does women's health uh, and that might be a GP or a family practitioner can be a gynecologist as well. Uh, urologist, sometimes hard to see a urologist really quickly. And oftentimes it's best to, to try to see one of those other primary care type providers first, make sure you're seeing somebody who will take a look at your take a look and do an exam. Uh, you can probably expect to have a pelvic exam and a urine test at the minimum. So when you get there, so, and, and that's, it, and that's due to the fact that again, everything is very closely mm -hmm. packed in down there. And so it's like, I'm having pee problems. Why are you in my, you know, vagina. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. Yeah. And that's because we want to take a look for that cystocele. We want to see, do you have vaginal atrophy um, that might be contributing to your symptoms? Do you have a urethral polyp, which is kind of an unusual thing that can happen or a stricture around your urethra, which is scarring around the urethra from urinary tract infections in the past. So so that exam does help us uh, determine things a little bit more. And when it comes to those bladder symptoms in menopause, that you can have, like we said, stress or urge incontinence, and it tends to get worse, actually. The further you get into menopause, especially if you haven't been taking estrogen therapy, so oh, the timeline great. of that, that, as we're talking about, <laughs> is that some women might have symptoms 10 years prior to that last period. So in that kind of premenopausal phase there, uh, because of dropping levels of estrogen and maybe also having, if they had frequent urinary tract infections, if they had a lot of babies, then that might also contribute. And then it's also common for the symptoms to get worse that 10 years after your last period. So, so it could, there's a wide range of women this might be affecting. So what so, I hear you saying is that you're fucked for, you know, 10 years before or possibly 10 years after. You got a 20-year right. window of hell. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <Just laughs> right. clarifying things. <laughs> right. And everybody, it's not the same. Remember, this is one of those symptoms. Not everybody necessarily has it. Um, so, uh, but it is just one to realize that if you're having it really early or you get it really late, it's not abnormal. It could still be related to menopausal changes um, rather than something worse. If you might be thinking that something really bad is going on. So the good news is that a lot of women can actually be helped with their bladder symptoms with estrogen as after the urine test is cleared for urinary tract infection, that can be either oral estrogen or it could be topical estrogens. And we've kind of talked about those a little bit, but that's what works the best usually is topical estrogens that you use in that vaginal area. So the forms of estrogen, we talked about them a little bit, but I want to remind you there's estrogen creams, uh, there's estrogen suppositories, and then there's an estrogen ring called an E-string that can be inserted, and then it's changed every three months. So those and are e forms. E is in the letter E? Yeah, E-string, okay. yep. The, both stress and urge incontinence might be helped with that, even though we're putting it in our vagina. And I just say, take a look at that diagram so you can see. And that, that, that bladder and that uterus and the vagina are all living side by side in <laughs> harmony in the pelvis. <laughs> and they, Ideally. They, they ideally, exactly. Remember that if you're on oral estrogen, the addition, you might get, uh, your provider might also recommend that you get an additional 
uh, vaginal estrogen. So that's more effective for control of your bladder symptoms. So don't throw in the towel if you're on oral estrogen. Remember that vaginal estrogen might be added to help a little bit more. Okay, so it's estrogen plus estrogen. Yes. It'd be two, so two types. It might be two types of estrogen. Exactly. And if I have a uterus, I will also be taking progesterone. Right. Yeah. Typically there are, it might also depend on the amount of estrogen you end up with, because sometimes what we'll do is we'll try to help women titrate to the lowest dose. So some, which means that sometimes if they can get by just taking estrogen vaginally, like once a week, um, or once every other week, perhaps they don't necessarily need the progesterone. So that conversation you'll have with your provider. But if you're taking the, the regular doses, the usual recommended doses, you probably will need to have an additional progesterone. All right. See how I learn things and I remind. You're good. You're good. (laughs) And then for urge incontinence, we have several medications. So that's helpful. These are pills that you can take. And these pills block the rest and digest. And I put in parentheses also pee. It's kind of the relaxation response. That's the part of the parasympathetic system. Since they block that part, they allow the bladder to relax as well. Because I don't know if you, if you, when you're under stress, uh, or if you get somebody jumps out and says boo at you, that's kind of the sympathetic system that might make you pee, right? <laughs> so this blocks that system. So, okay, so mentally, it's, it's the idea that my bladder relaxing would seems logically that if my bladder relaxes, I pee myself. But that's not. Oh, yes, right. So actually, (laughs) your bladder relaxing makes it expand bigger so it can collect your more urine. It's like a a balloon. So when it's relaxed, it uh, gets to be bigger, just like a balloon. And when it contracts, it it will push, it'll squeeze the urine out. That's why I feel like I have to pee. You're amazing. Yeah. Oh, you didn't even, uh, it's just, there you go. Science 101. Isn't it great <laughs> to have a dope on the, other, on the other side of this podcast? They can ask like, wait a right. minute. <laughs> so we have these magic pills that can be helpful for some of that urge incontinence. And that's uh, Mirbetric is one of them. Vesicare. Oxitrol, Ditropan, Detrol, Eurospaz. They're usually... Eurospaz. Eurospaz. No, I'm not a spaz. Eurospaz. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I know. And these are medicines that are also used in men. So we'll sometimes for when they have uh, bladder symptoms related to prostate, for instance. So they do have some side effects, unfortunately, which include constipation, dry mouth, headache, increasing blood pressure, and painful urination, (laughs) unfortunately. So I'm taking something to help my bladder, but it's going to really hurt me. It might not. Hopefully it doesn't. I think that's still a low percentage of women that experience that symptom. But if you do get that symptom, just realize it might be related to the medication. So it's also helpful for urge incontinence to stop caffeine. 
So that is a real uh, chemical that makes the bladder irritated more and spasm. So it's just really irritating. And it also is helpful to actually keep your urine more dilute by drinking more water. So that Mm. also helps keep it from being less uh, irritating than the bladder. Oh, I suppose you're going to tell me you want me to stop drinking alcohol too. Well, alcohol is interesting because it is a bladder irritant and it's also a diuretic. So it makes you pee out uh, more than what you put in, just like caffeine does too. That's why people get hangovers, uh, why they have bad headaches is because they just get super dry and dehydrated overnight. That's why if you drank some, if you drank a drink, you might want to think about drinking a whole glass of water with it. So that way you don't have a hangover the next day. So just that's just a little extra side note for... That's a freebie. That's a freebie freebie. from Dr. Suzanne. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So, so the next form is stress incontinence. That's the cough, that, that incontinence when you cough or sneeze or laugh. So that form, unfortunately, that one doesn't have any medicines because that ha- it's really very mechanical due to the weakness of the muscles and that pelvic sling. So there are still treatments though, just not pill treatments. And that includes pelvic floor physical therapy with a provider who specializes in women's health so that there's physical therapists that ju- just mostly do uh, pelvic floor rehabilitation or physical therapy. Um, and, and for the record, I've heard that this is like up and coming, like mm-hmm. this is becoming more and more popular, more and more accessible, mm-hmm. which, whew, thank God. Mm-hmm. Right. It's been around for, uh, you know, 25 years or so, but you're right. I think more and more people are really realizing that it's an okay thing and feeling comfortable with somebody helping them with that area. So, and don't forget Kegel exercises, which we might maybe all have learned somewhat about uh, contracting your own muscles yourself, if you can, like you're trying to cut off the urination and sometimes it's, a, I usually tell my patients, do those Kegel exercises when you're at a stoplight so for something to do, kind of, kind of, you know, make that way you can get kind of your, a few times a day, do 10 Kegels. Look at you making every moment count. Make uh, yeah, every moment count. <laughs> there will not be a moment when you are not working towards something. So stoplights, <laughs> right. don't you fucking waste time. Right. Squeeze, girl. Right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's also new technology, super exciting technology, which use kind of lasers or magnetic therapy that use radio frequency and heat um, as a wand. And there's one that you actually sit on like a chair that's a magnet that gives you magnetic stimulation of the pelvic floor that causes a Kegel-like uh, contraction. Wow. And uh, yeah, and I, I was lucky enough to go to a conference uh, for this just a couple weeks ago. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if this actually feels kind of good. Well, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> it really does feel like the, the biggest contraction you ever had. There's no way you can squeeze that hard. It's The machine is really making it squeeze way harder than you can do on your own. So it can be very useful for people. And you just sit on it for about 20 minutes and that's it. Uh, and you do have to okay. do it uh, over it. You have to do it in a series, though. Oh, so. <laughs> so, okay. The other thing is uh, that might be a useful uh, modality is if your provider determines on your exam that you have that 
bladder prolapse or cystocele, it might be that a pessary device might help some of your symptoms. A pessary device. Yeah, they're kind of an old fashioned sort of device. They come in all kinds of shapes and sizes that help with different things, but they're inserted by the provider into your vagina and they stay there to kind of hold everything upwards and it helps hold your bladder at a better angle uh, so that it's less likely to um, cause leakage. Okay, and so just for the record, and this is something I asked Suzanne about as we were going over this, um, is that remember those ads that you used to see on TV for the attorneys who were trying to sue (laughs) if you ever had a mesh implant? That is not what we're talking about here. Just the, mm-hmm. right. if you know this, what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. They used to have ads on TV all the time. Like, if you ever had a mesh implant, you right. could, you know, be up for some serious compensation. That's not this. That That's right. The mesh implant is a surgery. So this, uh, the pessary is just something, as a description, it's kind of a vaginal ring or brace that holds that bladder in a better position upwards so that the ligaments work more effectively at keeping the bladder closed. And sometimes the prolapse or weakness don't respond to these treatments. So as a last resort, we might have to do surgery, like we talked about. It may, it, there's surgeries to be done that don't involve that mesh too, just so that you are aware. And but then- Suzanne, I don't, I don't wanna put stuff up there. Is there yeah. any other options? Right, so there are some herbals that might be helpful. And then I also don't wanna forget Acupuncture can be helpful, you know. Of course, it's helpful for everything. Five dollars. You said acupuncture. Five dollars. I did. I did because I. I don't know if you remember we talked about with Stephanie that that um, that it's kind of that kidney or water the water element that's getting depleted in women when they're going through menopause and the the kidney and the bladder are paired. paired systems in in Chinese medicine and so it makes a lot of sense that that during this time you might also be having bladder symptoms and and with their paradigm the acupuncture might help so that's something to consider uh, and then with yeah. the herbal front we've got a, a list of some that can be helpful our old friend uva ursi which we talked about before it's good for all those organs in the pelvis uh, go to cola Ladies Mental, G-U-T-U, G-O-T-U, Go-To Cola, Ladies Mantle, Cranberry, which is kind of an astringent for the bladder. We use it a lot for urinary tract infections. There's also corn silk and D-Manos, which tends to flush the urine, so makes it kind of dilute. Uh, they're a little bit of a diuretic, and sometimes we'll use organ grape for infections. Oregon so. grape? Oregon, oh, like grape. the state of Oregon, like the state of Oregon, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So right. The, that and that that uh, remember that that there's a lot of microflora uh, influence going on in this area. Uh, that's kind of the smell that of the kind of the perineal area is microflora typically. And so keeping the probi- the the balance right with probiotics might be helpful. Uh, other things that help that balance are urinating after intercourse and making sure to wipe front to back after peeing and pooping. That also helps to keep that floor in good balance. Okay, so there are options. There are tons yeah. of options, actually. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. Well, 
Unsurprisingly, there is a definite connection between your bladder and your hormones. Surprise, not surprise. Mm-hmm. Thanks to this relationship, as you move through perimenopause, you may be experiencing incontinence. And maybe that looks like having to go to the bathroom suddenly, leaking all the way there. Mm-hmm. It could be that when you sneeze or cough or laugh, you pee a little. Or it could show up as a UTI. Um, more than likely, though, you're going to get a happy combination of some of these. Woo-hoo! <laughs> A smorgasbord. A (laughs) smorgasbord. Did I remind you how much I love being a woman? I just yes. If I hadn't said it lately, this is a great time to remind myself. We're the we're the tougher sex. That's uh, that's the bottom line. Well, I can be as tough as I want, but I still hate peeing my pants. Okay. (laughs) I I mean, and I get you know that so much of this has to do with a lifetime of strain on my pelvic ligaments, Mm -hmm. my muscles, whether through pregnancy, childbirth, strenuous strenuous activity, plain old gravity. It's all like working against me, but there's a lot I can do though. I think one of the things, one of the takeaways, and we kind of buried the lead. I don't know if it's the lead. We've kind of buried it a little bit though, is that incontinence is not a symptom of perimenopause that's going to go away once you're once you are right. through menopause, right? It's not like a brain fog where it's there and then it's gone. The idea is, is that when you start having incontinence issues, you really ought to get after it because it's not just going to go away on its own when your hormones level out. You should really start either, you know, start, go easy, start the herbal side, right? Go acupuncture wise because mm-hmm. this is going to be an ongoing problem because gravity is never going to go away. But there's a ton of, ton of options that you can have, whether that is going down the estrogen road, whether that is some uh, some of the rings or a pessary device Mm -hmm. Uh, or even the exercises look into it i'm going to post a link to a recent article that i saw in the new york times about uh pelvic floor exercises that you can do you know start start small and see if see what's making an impact for you and then um go from there but don't i think like you said earlier the thing to be really aware of is don't let this impact your quality of life Mm-hmm. Right, absolutely, and I'm so glad that you you repeated that that whole uh, part where it's a symptom that's going to potentially get worse as you get older. Yeah, so start now to come in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't address it after you've fallen to pieces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a plus, Anything? Becca. <laughs> oh God, I love it when you grade me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, if you're having some of these issues, get get after it. Don't wait for it to go away. See your provider um, and, and get, get this taken care of. Let's talk about our next episode. Next time, we are continuing our conversation on one of the many symptoms of perimenopause, skin issues. I don't know if you feel like me, but I don't even recognize the skin, uh, my skin half the days. It's so dry. Or I'm breaking out like a teenager, (laughs) which is, you know, fun at 50 to get zits. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we're going to talk about why and what you can do about it. So join me itching and scratching for our next episode of the Perimental Podcast.
would like to visit our website where reference materials and links to other podcasts are held, please visit us at www.theperimenopodcast.com. If you have questions, comments, thoughts for another episode, please feel free to send us an email at theperimenopodcast at gmail.com. Please do us a favor. If this information has been helpful for you, please like us. Write a review if you're so inclined, and most importantly, share this podcast with another sister so she can be informed too.